<laughs> Good morning, Freedom Center. How's everybody doing? Hey, my name is Pastor Jason, and uh, Dean already said I get to the Linden campus, which is really cool. Um, that has been, we're having a blast out there, and there's no room for you, so just keep, stay where you're at, but we're having a blast out there. God's doing really cool stuff, um, which is a good thing that there's no room for you, right? We're reaching new people. That's the goal. So it's cool. It's cool. We love it. FCA, you guys are my heart. Love you. Love you. Um, I have such a huge honor and privilege. I don't take this lightly to come up here and be able to speak. I know that this is not something that we just hand off to anybody. So I just humbly say thank you. Thank you for allowing me. Are you guys awake this morning? You, there was a moment when Dina was talking about next week, which I personally am very excited for. And I heard like three people go, woo. And I'm like, dude, somebody bring the coffee immediately. Because she was talking about all the stuff that we were talking about this entire summer, the, the activation, right, of the church being the church, the Holy Spirit moving. We're talking signs and wonders and miracles and, like, all this crazy cool stuff. And I'm like, let's go. Like, I'm excited. And I hear people go, woo. And I'm like, what? So do you guys understand that next week, right, worship, right? It's a worship, but Pastor Josh is going to be speaking. I just, this is not my sermon. I'm about to change my sermon if need be. But, but I need you to understand what that means when it when the Holy Spirit is activated and when we begin to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Like, guys, yeah, thank you, Todd. Thank you. I don't, I don't know if you quite understand what, it's like, uh, imagine your car sitting there in your driveway and you go to get in and you're like, there's nothing. And then you get a jump and it's like, brr, 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 brr. like now, it's, now you can go drive this thing. That's what we're about to do. We're about to drive this thing, right? So ladies and gentlemen, hold on to your britches because we're about to get crazy. Let's start today. Let's start today. Come on. And then next week, for real, for real, come expecting, ladies and gentlemen, but that's not what we're talking about today. I mean, it kind of is. We're always talking about Holy Spirit. We're talking about a few things today, and uh, one thing we're going to be talking about is this. Who's my neighbor? So that is the title of the sermon today. Who is my neighbor? Say it with me. Who is my neighbor? neighbor? That's what I meant. Say it after me, not with me. Who is my neighbor? neighbor? Okay, you guys are awake. Good. This is my neighbor. Won't you be? This is not my neighbor, but wouldn't that be fun? He was such a nice guy. Like, dude, I want him to be my neighbor. I know he bakes. I know he does. <laughs> get that aroma would be filling my kitchen. But no, there's a story um, in Luke 10, which is where we're going to hang out today. If you have your Bibles, you're one of those people that has your papal Bible. Man, salute. That's awesome. Represent. It's Luke chapter 10. We're going to be digging in. There's a lot in that chapter, so we're going to focus in on the story of the Good Samaritan. You may have heard of this, um, and wow, it's powerful. It's powerful. I'm going to go there. I'm definitely going to take some rabbit trails because it's me, and that's what I do. So, But I love the story of the Good Samaritan, and it starts here in Luke 10, 25. It says, on one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, being Jesus, is like, what's written in the law? Because, I mean, think about it. The guy's an expert in the law. He says, well, what's written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? So he just puts it right back on him, and the guy answers. He says, well, (laughs) I actually know this one. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is like, you know what? He answered correctly. Good job. You're an expert. He says, do this, and you will live. So, boom, great conversation. And if it ended there, we'd all be like, yeah, good job, guys. But that's not where the conversation ends. Then he goes on in 29. He says, but he wanted to justify himself. We usually, I usually, I don't know about you, I usually read through that part and I just get to the next part. He says, but he wanted to justify himself. And he says, 
who is my neighbor? So the guy has the answer to his question. He knows how to do it. He already knew how to do it. The whole time he knew the whole time. And then he says, who is my neighbor? We should pray. Father, I pray, God, that as we dig into your word today, God, that you would reveal truths that would break us. God, that we would be completely and totally humble and nothing before you. God, we are absolutely weak and you are absolutely strong. We have nothing to offer and you bring life and life to the full. So Jesus, adjust our hearts, adjust our mindsets and change us. Give us the perspective of your kingdom perspective and break our hearts for what breaks yours in Jesus' name. And everybody said, careful what you amen. So he wants to justify himself and he asks this question. He's like, so who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? The emoji really says it all. Who's my neighbor? Seriously? In, in this context, that's kind of like asking the question, well, where's the line? Come on, Jesus, where's the line? What can I get away with is what he's really asking. How far is too far? And for the students that are still here, it's like, okay, mom, I will clean my room. But just for the record, you're not going to check under the bed or under the, in the closet, right? That's the context, right? This is the, the, the way he's asking this question. But Jesus just goes into it, and I'm just going to read. It's Luke 10, 30 through 37. He says, well, let me answer that question. How far is too far? I mean, who is your neighbor? He says, a man is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes. They beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to, go, happened to be going by, going down, sorry, the road, and he went he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So he saw the man, went to the other side of the road, kept going. The Levite, when he came and placed uh, to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, who is not of their clan, he's not in the group, he is the outcast, he's the guy that they don't want to be like. The Samaritan, as he traveled, when he came near the man, he, uh, where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Right there. He went to him, he bandaged his wounds. So he saw the dude and his heart broke. He bandaged his wounds, pouring out oil and wine, his oil and wine, so it cost him something. Um, Then he put the man on his own donkey, which means he had to walk, brought him into an inn, took care of him. The next day he went out, went out, took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Dude doesn't know the guy. He's probably not of the same sect, religion, whatever. He's, he's a, they're different, right? Racist or, or race, racially speaking, they're, they're different. Everything about them, they're, they're just different. Actually, it doesn't technically say, but the way it reads, you, you get that picture, that everything was different. They didn't agree on much, probably, in the way they did life. And he says, he gave him everything. He's just time, his money, his oil, his wine, his, the, the, everything. He took care of him, his donkey. And then he says, Jesus says, after telling that story, he says, which of the three do you think was a neighbor? Which of the three do you think was a neighbor? And so to the man who fell in the hands of the robbers, the expert of the law replied, well, the one, because, because he's an expert, he knew the answer. <laughs> he's a genius. He said, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. Pretty simple. This dude's an expert in the law. He knew all these answers. Did he, did he not know any of those? He, he knew all of this the whole time. You have to ask yourself in that story, why, why didn't the priest stop? Why didn't the Levi stop? 
You know what I mean? Like, they didn't, they didn't even call 911, man. They saw this dude bloody, naked, laying there, nobody else around. It was in a, a you know, place where there were no buildings and no people. They didn't even call 911. Thank you. One of you chuckled. I'm like, dude, they didn't have cell phones, for the record. For those of you who are not, just kidding. I'm kidding. They didn't call 911. They didn't, they, they went on the other side of the road. They walked by. They did everything they, took, they could to get out of the path because they thought if they were near the path, they might hear the guy say, ah, and then they might have to do something legally, right? So they're trying to get themselves away from it. The, the priest was trained to love God and his neighbor. He was trained. And in my notes, I have that all capitalized because the training is something that I think is important. Um, you, you realize this, and, and you should write this down. Being educated, being educated about God is not the same as loving God. You should write that down. You should get that tattooed. No, I'm just kidding. Being educated about God is not the same as loving God. And I think for, for us, it's harder than we think it is. We, we, we love to get educated. We love to know the rules and regulations and what I can do and what I can't do. And I, I love to know where this line is so I can get my toe up to the line and I can be like, okay, there, I'm good. And it's like, no, that's not what God has called us to. That is not what God has called us to. These guys had every excuse. The real question is not why did the priest or the Levite stop. The real question is why don't we stop? There it is. Why didn't we stop? And this is where it gets real. When you flip the script and you look in the mirror and you realize how many opportunities you have probably daily to stop, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to let your heart break for what breaks God's heart. So here's three reasons why they didn't stop. According to the law, it was unlawful. Leviticus 21, it was the Levitical law, right? 21.1, it says, don't touch a dead body. It's pretty good. He might be dead. And if I go on this side, I'll never know if he's dead or alive because he ain't moving. If he's moaning, I don't want to hear him. You know what I mean? So like good around, oh, he's dead. So religiously speaking, I'm not allowed to. So they were too busy. Obviously, they're on the road heading somewhere. They have a job to do. They're busy. They're doing the thing. Whatever the thing is, they're too busy to deal with that thing. And then you got, it could be unsafe. And that's real. That's legitimate. I would say all of them could be legitimate. It's unsafe. Robbers hijacked this dude, beat the snot out of him, half dead, and then stripped him of his clothes. Clearly, they're not nice men. And if they're anywhere around, I don't want to be involved. I don't want to, am I supposed to risk my life for this guy? Am I supposed to put my, I mean, it could be a, he could be faking. This could be a total setup, you know? The attackers could be near. So that, that's a fear-based thing. So there's fear. There's my schedule, my time, my fear, my schedule, my religion. You notice the key phrase is me, right? But this expert in the law, he knew that the answer to the question was this. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbors as yourself. So simplified, it's just love God, love people. And here we love to serve, which is part of it. It's the activation of it. Love God, love people, love to serve. That's Freedom Center is what we say all the time. But love God and love people. This is the answer to the question of eternal life. He's like, okay. But I think there's a part where it's, you, have to, you have to walk before you can run. 
You have to walk before you can run. I think the running part, the sprinting part, when you get it and you're like sprinting, this is good. Now you're, you're activated in the faith. You don't just have the faith. You don't just, it's not just I'm saved and I love God, but it's now it's I get to go and do. I get to be his hands and feet. That's running. The walking is loving God. And it's not nearly as easy as it should be or we think it is because it's complicated. We overthink stuff because I do have a schedule and I do care for my safety. I have important things I need to be doing. I have a family that I'm raising and I have and I have and I have and I have and I have, right? But why didn't I stop? Why didn't I stop? It's simple, simplifying it and just saying, why, why didn't I stop? I want my heart to break for what breaks his. That's it. That's everything. Loving God is the walking part. Loving God is the hard part. It's not... It's hard, but it's not hard. It's a choice that we have to make. And when we say, Father, I give you my life, and Jesus opened his arms, and he said, and I give you mine, and we swap lives, essentially, is what's taking place. And it's like, this is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. That's what Paul said. I don't think it's possible to love people the way we're supposed to without loving God the way that we're supposed to. I, I do think that that's a, a kink in the hose, if you would. There's no flow. There's nothing. If you don't love God, if you're not actually submitting to his authority, if you're not actually honoring him, if you're not actually ready to drop everything right now and go wherever he's telling you to go, how is it possible that we could love people? I'm not saying you can't be nice to people. Everybody, everybody's nice to people. It's almost trendy. It's socially acceptable. It helps sales, you know, whatever, however you want to spin it. it it's, it's what we do. We, we like people, but loving people is a different, it's a different animal. Loving people sometimes is not nice looking. That's fair, right? It doesn't look nice to love people sometimes. Other times it does. In that case, it definitely did. But again, we see this education, this educated man who knew that loving God and loving people was the answer. So I asked the question, what, what does it look like to love God? And, and the I only have one answer. There's only one way I can answer this. I feel like every time I speak, I bring this up, but so be it. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and no, it's not leading yourself well, for those of you who are, oh, it's going to lead yourself well, I already know. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> this is what I do know about loving God. It's very similar to this. This is, in some of those pictures, you're like, who the heck are those people? That's Melanie and not myself. That's my beautiful wife right over here. This is us when we were like 18 all the way to, I don't know how old we are now, but we're old. Yeah, those are some really fun pictures. <laughs> uh, so that one up in the corner, like, who's that? No, that's not the same people. Anyway, 29 and a half years, ladies and gentlemen. That's how long we've been married. Yeah, I, I absolutely. Good job, Melanie. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Um, my wife does not have to tell me how to love her anymore. There's a training phase, but we're, we're through that. I figured some stuff out. <laughs> she doesn't have to tell me how to love her. Um, in fact, when, I, when we, I first began to pursue her, she didn't tell me how to pursue her. I just changed everything in my entire life and dropped everything and sold everything and bought everything I thought she might be interested in. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm super interested in Metallica because that's what she liked. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> uh, that's true. <laughs> that's the funny part. 
And so everything in my life changed and shifted. And I didn't care that my friends were like, bro, where you been? I'm like, I don't care about you. I'm going to see my new friend. (laughs) And I'm glad I did. And I'll never regret it. And how much more should God be in that focal point? Come on. You know you dropped everything to chase that person. You know you, all of a sudden you loved volleyball. All of a sudden, this person like, oh, I love volleyball. Volleyball's my favorite. I love volleyball. I'm going to play it every day. Every day. Where do you play? Oh, really? I think I'm going to check that out. Mm-hmm. That's uh, almost gaslighting. Actually, we call it love. I don't know. Gaslighting love. You know, I don't know. Anyway. Doing whatever it takes to get the person that you want to be with, and, and it's amazing. And we fight for that. And you know what? For 29 and a half years, we have had more battles. I've argued with that person more than anybody else on this planet. And then we made up. And we have had great times. We've laughed more than anybody else on this planet. I've laughed more with her. I've cried more with her. We built more. It gets sentimental. It gets emotional. It's like, oh, man, that's deep. Yeah, we raised kids. We might as well have been in wars. We raised kids, teenagers. Oof. You know. If you know, you know. You've been through war. I'm just saying, man, how much more should we pursue the relationship with God the Father, God the Almighty, the creator of everything? He's the creator of everything. He's the giver of life. And we're like, yeah, Jesus is my homeboy. No, he's not. Stop saying that. He is not your homeboy. You are not even close, right? He's the one that we are in love with. And that should look like something. And I think that's the, that's the walk. I'm like, over here, like, that baby was like, oh. we gotta walk before we can run. And I wanna run. I wanna run. Church, do you want to run? with Jesus or do you just want to sit there and hold his hand because you're about to fall over every two seconds I'm sick of that life I'm sick of seeing it in our church I'm sick of seeing it in our faith I'm sick of seeing it period we should be running we should be sprinting and it should be towards the father directly towards the father amen come on same is true there so here's a quick question (laughs) it's a trap for the record (laughs) was it God's will for the priest and the Levite to help that man Do you think Jesus would have stopped? No, Jesus would have walked to the other side too. He said, do what I'm doing. And then he went to heaven. (laughs) Okay. They they weren't in this intimate relationship with God. They knew more about the law than I probably ever will. They had the first five books of the Bible memorized. That's the life they lived. That's what they did. They, They knew that the law, that's why they were trying to twist it for their benefit. That's why they were trying to angle it. So it's like, well, there's a loophole right there. Slide, I'm good. It's like, no, you're not. Because as soon as you started looking for the loophole, you were already up a creek. As soon as you started looking for it. And, th- and let's not put too much on them because really we're talking about us. And know that you don't know your own shortcomings. You don't know your own. We don't. The Bible says in Luke 6.45, it says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what this is full of. What are you storing up? The mouth speaks what this is full of. Everybody open up your iPhone, scroll to the side, scroll to the top and look at your screen time. Just kidding, don't do that. You'll feel very bad about yourself. But that is to be taken into context. 
<laughs> Open up your Bible app, look at your, how many days you've been on. I'm just kidding. I mean, kind of. But really, are we storing up the good or are we not? Are we storing up the evil or are we not? What, where do you spend your time? Is it Netflix or is it the word? How much, how hard are you really pursuing? I guarantee you, I pursued her with everything. And I was willing to quit my job, leave my family. In fact, I think I did all that. I was willing to do anything and everything it took. And 29 and a half years later, I'm not sad I did it. And I say the same thing, but 10,000 times with God. I would leave everything in a heartbeat. In fact, I did it. <laughs> I had a full-time job and I, I left it because God said, leave that job. And I said, that sounds silly. <laughs> and he's like, uh-huh. <laughs> okay, here we go. And, and that obedience is the part where I looked at it as the hardest thing I ever had to do in my life. And I look back and go, oh, that was the moment. See what you did there, God. Don't you wanna have that moment where you go, oh, that sounds insane. See what you did there, God. Hindsight's a beautiful thing. Hindsight's a beautiful thing. So the good and evil, the <laughs> good things, it needs a lot of cultivation. Anybody ever raise children? <laughs> Anybody ever have a garden? It's like August, and so your garden's looking a little more rough than it did in the beginning, right? Yeah, it's crazy how that works. We're very motivated in the beginning, aren't we? Gardens and kids, man. The cultivation of a garden, you gotta be out there, you gotta cultivate it, you gotta weed it, you gotta get all that stuff out of there, and then you're gonna get the good fruits, then you're gonna get the good veggies, and if you don't, you're gonna get little veggies and little fruits, and it's terrible. You gotta cultivate. And the same thing's true with your kids. You, they hear one bad word, and it's next thing you know, it's like beep, 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 like stop saying that. You have to tell, stop, don't do that. Why are you stealing? Stop that, what's wrong with you? The evil does not have to be taught. How many times have you said, please, thank you. No, 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 no. Please. Now say thank a million times. And they're still like, Hey, give me that. And you're like, no, please. Thank you. Like one thing is really easy. One thing is really hard. There's, it's interesting. It's almost like we live in this fallen world that's filled with sin or something like that. Almost. <laughs> There's this phrase that I love and it says this, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. It is from a song. It's actually from quite a few songs. I think Will Smith quoted it. I think Conor McGregor quoted it, but it's just, it's just so solid. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And I think that's the cultivating part, staying ready. Um, we, have to, we must know that he is our source. In the good times when everything is amazing, don't be like, yeah, look what I did. But like, it's only by him. And in the bad times when everything is like, nobody's happy, celebrate. It's only because of him that I have breath in my lungs. Don't just pray when you need something. Could you imagine your relationship with anybody, your friend, if the only time you called them, as some of you have been there, you're like, man, I feel bad calling them. I just need to borrow that tool again. That's terrible. I didn't even say hello. <laughs> and all of a sudden you want to borrow something. Man, get out of here. Imagine, now imagine your spouse. How would that go? Probably not very good. If you only called them when you needed something. Some of you do that. That's not very Christ-like. <laughs> <laughs> Those two chuckles, I love it. Some of you guys are like, I don't get it. You need to. You're probably the one that needs to. <laughs> uh, God is not, this is a good line. You can write this one down. This is, this is a fun one. God is not our cosmic bellhop. I don't know if you've heard that before, but I thought that was good. God is not our cosmic bellhop, but that's the way we treat him. Like, ding, ding. God, I need help. What's up? Uh, I won't buy this house and I don't have a down payment. <laughs> God's like, yeah, it's not. It's actually not what we're doing here. <laughs> I'm actually looking for a transformed life. 
not the big house with the white picket fence. <laughs> That's not necessarily the goal. That would be the fruit of, anyways, how do we stay ready? How do we stay ready? And I think there's this verse in 1 Peter 3.15, it says this. It says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. When? Okay. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks to give the reason for the hope that you have. So first of all, assuming you have this hope. Assuming you have this hope. We're talking eternity. We're talking Jesus. We're talking salvation. We're talking heaven. This hope. But when you do, give the answer. Give it in gentleness and respect. God is telling us to be ready, church. Are you ready? Right now, if somebody walks up to you and they're like, hey, why do you, why do you live the way you live? Are you ready? And I think there's, who is my neighbor? I think there he is, right there, coming up to you, asking you, hey, tell me about this Jesus stuff you do. <laughs> you know? And you're like, oh, I'd love to. Uh, are you ready? Are you ready? There's a question that's haunted me. I think I was a teenager and I heard this pastor. I don't even remember who it was. But basically the question you may have heard is like, how many people have you led to Jesus this week? This month? This year? This decade? Keep going, right? How many people have you personally, through conversation, because you were ready, have you led to Jesus? And I know the answer is low. And, and, and I'm not gonna say that's okay, but it is uh, culturally acceptable, to say the least. But I don't think that kingdom culture is gonna accept that. I think we're supposed to be his hands and feet. Pastor Jim last week talked about teachers and how they really cared. And he said, they, they challenged me. They believed in me. They trusted me. And I thought that was a cool little snapshot of, of somebody loving him. He felt loved. He felt cared about. He felt like he was trusted. Like, but nobody trusts me. I'm that kid. And all of a sudden, these walls that he had built up over the years fell down. And lo and behold, this young man in school learns history. That's pretty cool. What were the weapons that they used to tear down the walls? Oh, they just cared for him. They challenged him. They believed in him. They trusted him. I'm just saying, how much more should we should we, Christians, people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, people who claim to be dead to ourselves and alive in Christ, how much more should we care, challenge, believe, and trust people to promote the gospel, to, to promote the truth of our Savior coming and dying on that cross, to promote the, his kingdom come and his will be done? People, there's salvation to be had, and we don't, but this is, these are key elements right there, the key elements. Oops, wrong button. There they are. They cared, challenged. This is like, if this is sales, <laughs> I mean, we're selling the best product on the planet, in the galaxy, in the millennium. It's, it's, this, is, this is Jesus. This is eternal life we're talking about. This is, there, was, there was atheist, oh, I don't remember his name. It's Penn and Teller, one of those two. And he's like, how much do you have to hate somebody to not tell them about Jesus if you're a Christian? Like, dang, that's, he doesn't believe in Jesus. And he says, how much do you have to hate somebody as a Christian to not tell people about Jesus? So you think I'm gonna go, go to hell and spend eternity there. Okay, and you're not telling every single person on the, like, what are you doing? I'm like, that's a call out, that hurt. But I wanna be that guy. I don't wanna be that guy. I wanna be the guy who does and lives my life in such a way. Yeah, so who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? 
it, when, he, when I read it, I hear it very um, maliciously said. Who was my, he's like, because he's trying to justify himself. He's like, well, and uh, so here's the line. Who is my neighbor? You know what I mean? Like they get that little smug, like what can I get away with? How far is too far? How much is enough? I, I don't want to ask that question in that way because I think the question in, its, in and of itself is actually a, a phenomenal, phenomenal question. Who is my neighbor? Who am I supposed to read? So with, with our integrity intact, who is my neighbor? Try not to justify not loving people. I don't want to do that. I don't want to not love people. Did God want the priest and the Levite to stop? Of course he did. Come on, man. Come on. Did he speak from a thundering voice or a beacon of light and say, stop and help? No. He didn't do that for the Samaritan either. The Samaritan man, he stopped. He risked. He took time. He took money away from his family even in order to invest into a a stranger who was in need. He had a deep compassion churning inside of his gut. He did not have an option. He had to stop. I believe that came from a relationship that he had with God. I believe that came with a, an, a, an absolute love that he had for the Father. And because of that relationship, that love, that cultivating that love, he did not have an option but to stop. He had to stop. It was cultivated. I think when you go talk about the, the priest and the Levite, I got this funny picture I'm going to show you. I think this is what, back in the day, culturally, when people saw them, they were like, oh, it's, it's them. They look like this. They're like, oh, that's that dude. Good thing he's got his tanning sunglasses on, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> but when they walked by, people were like, oh, my goodness, that's, he's a beast, you know, kind of thing. <clears throat> they thought they were beasts in the kingdom, spiritually. But in reality, this would be what the Samaritan man looked like. If you gave them a pop quiz and said, you know, start asking all the Levitical laws, you know who would be able to answer them all. Maybe, I'm sure the Samaritan would do good, but I believe that the Levite and the priest would smoke him in a Bible quiz. It would smoke him. But in his faith, this is the Samaritan. He had the action. He wasn't just walking. He was walking, but he was also running with Jesus. In the same chapter, if you go up to the beginning, it's, uh, it talks about Jesus sends out the 72. He sends out all the disciples. This is before it was narrowed down to just the 12. He sends them out, and he sends them out two by two and says, go, and I want you to heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is coming. and Go do crazy, cool Jesus stuff like we're going to do next week. No, let's try it. Like we're going to do next week. There, there has to be an expectation, church. You've got to be ready. You've got to know what you're getting into. So he sends them out. He says, go do the thing. You've been preparing. I've, it's time. I'm launching you. So they go out. They do crazy, cool Jesus stuff. They come back, and they're like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Guess what? Even the spirits, even the demons listen to us in your name. So they're like casting out demons. They're healing the sick. They're doing all the crazy, cool stuff. They do the Jesus stuff, and they come back. They're celebrating, and, and it's great. They did what he said to do. That's a good thing, right? Right. Jesus is like, yes, that is awesome. And I did fill you up, and I did send you out to do that. So he affirmed them. And then he says this, however, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Oh, come on, though. That's pretty cool. I'm just saying. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Church. That is such a subtle heart posture correcting statement. It's so subtle. It's so like... Right under the radar. They didn't even know they got punched in the mouth. 
<laughs> they, they didn't even see it coming. Do not rejoice. He's, he's like, yes, good, you did it. That's awesome, that's what I told you to do. It's just, however, maintain your relationship with Jesus. Focus on cultivating your relationship with the Father. Focus on this. Chase him with everything. Quit your job. Jump off that cliff. Do whatever it takes. Leave your family. Go do, that's not what he's saying, but that's what he's saying. It's so powerful. He's like, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I, that popped so hard and hit me right here. I was like, ow. Yes. Yes, Jesus. Yes. My relationship with you is above any power, any infilling, any faith thing that's going to take place, any power at all, any, you know, healing or words of knowledge or anything. That's great. That's good. But that should be the fruit of, right? That's, that should be the fruit of the relationship that we've cultivated with our Father. Amen? Amen. Come on. So let that fruit be evident in our marriages. Let that fruit be evident in our workplaces. And in, our, in, in the way we love our neighbors. So he told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. This is what he said right before he sends them out. Harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You've heard this one. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So harvest is plentiful, workers are few. So where's this great harvest? Now I'll ask this. Who's your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? This is the great harvest. Not to ask that question, who is your neighbor, with an agenda. Not trying to get out of doing more work. Not trying to justify myself because I don't do the things I know. Darn well, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. But honestly attempting to understand the Father's heart. Honestly being willing, being ready and willing to change everything for the sake of him, for the sake of his kingdom. The good Samaritan had compassion that made it impossible to walk by that man. Personally, I said this earlier, I don't ever want to do that again because I know it's me. I know I have. I know I've had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to minister, to love, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and I never want to do it again. Amen? Come on. So who's your neighbor? Your neighbor is this. It's the person that God calls you to love despite the differences of race, of gender, demographic, opinions, life choices, all the stuff, everything, the things that tick you off like no other. The political stance that they have is just like, I could never. You need to, because Jesus did it for you. As we're ripping his beard out of his face, as we're beating him on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We, we don't have the right to not love. It's not your life. You gave it away. You don't get to choose. You made the choice. Hmm. Sounds like a slave. It is. You can be a slave to sin if you choose, or you can be a slave to righteousness. But we did choose. And if you have given your life to Christ, then that is the choice. And so we don't get the option. We humbly submit to the Father and say, God, I don't want to just walk. I want to run. So let me get this. Let me get this. You are called, church. You are called, you are filled, and you are sent to go love your neighbors. I'm gonna end simply by asking the altar team if you guys would come down. We're gonna pray. And altar team, if you guys are out there, hopefully, um, we're gonna be praying for boldness. 
to go and to do. We're gonna be praying for those in this room that are like, I haven't led anybody to Jesus ever. And I want to. I wanna be that person. I wanna be bold. I don't want to be that Christian who just goes to church on Sundays. I wanna be somebody who's living it. I wanna be somebody who's willing to pray for somebody. You guys can come lie on these altars, please. That'd be awesome. We're, we're gonna pray and we're gonna send. We're gonna send you guys out. I will say this before I end. Some of you guys are, how, are saying this. You're saying, how can I go out and pray for somebody else or minister to somebody else or love somebody else or, or be the hands and feet of Jesus when honestly, I struggle with my own faith. I struggle with my own faith. I don't know where I stand with this whole thing. I, I think I know, or I do know, but I don't know how to, <clears throat> I need to <clears throat> get the next step. That's you. We wanna pray for you today. We wanna pray that your faith would be strengthened. Prayer is powerful, man. So if you need a miracle in this room, this is the place to come right here. These guys are prayer warriors and miracles happen. That's just the way it is, period. If you are in this room and you're like, I've never led anybody to Jesus, I would say, come down here and pray that they, have them pray that God would fill you up and send you out. Have them pray that you would be the hands and feet of Jesus. If you're like, I, I do, I've done it, but I want more, come down here, pray for more. Dude, that's it, more, that's the altar call. You want some more? Church, you want more? Do you want more of God the Father, who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end? all-powerful, all-knowing. He is everything more. So Father, I just praise you, God, and I thank you for this church. I thank you, God. God, that we get to do what we get to do is absolutely ridiculous, Father. And Lord, I don't want to fall short, Lord, and we don't want to fall short. God, we want to be your hands and feet. God, we want our hearts to be broken. We want to be a mess, God, for the things that you're broken and you're a mess for. God, the things that you cry over, we want to cry over. The things that your, your gut churns for, God, we want our guts to churn. Father, so use us. Fill us up, God, and send us out. Lord Jesus, we don't ever want to walk by one more. The harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. So Jesus, send us out. Prepare us, equip us, fill us. Give us the confidence to stand firm in your faith. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen, church. These altars are open and you are dismissed. God bless you guys. Have an amazing day.